Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, good evening once again, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you all enjoyed UFC Vegas 20. The card is officially in the books, capped off by a one-sided unanimous decision win for Cyril Ghan over Jarazinho Rosenstrike, and it is time to react to the card, the main events, and everything else with all of you right here on our live post-fight show on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck, and joining me to discuss this card and answer your questions, react to your thoughts tonight, we have Alex K. Lee, the Prince of Positivity, back with us. Hello, sir. Hello. Have- oh, nobody, nobody, nobody cares about me, Mike. We got, we got a special <laughs> guest. Keep going. Keep going. Nobody cares about me. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we have E. Casey Lydon, the uh, main event. There we go. Uh, the main event, Nostradamus, Casey, and then uh, we do have a very special guest joining us: UFC veteran, Strike Force veteran, PFL veteran, the former Invicta champ, and someone with uh, her phone always on for that call to get a well-deserved opportunity back with the UFC. Let us say hello to Sarah Kaufman joining us on the program. How are you, Sarah? Oh, I'm good, thank you. I did not know that Alex, his nickname was the what do you say, the Prince of Positivity? Yes. yes. I mean, that's it's not bad. I like it. <laughs> I don't like him, but I like it. That's all, that's all we asked for. I'll take it. A.K. Lee. I'll take not, it. Not bad. Yeah, I'm okay. The nickname is great. I'm like, whatever. Whatever, man. Well, Sarah, it is uh, great to have you here with your expertise. It is needed with this group. No doubt about that. But uh, let us talk the main events before we get to the peeps. Uh, and for you guys watching right now, give us your thoughts, your reactions on everything in the chat. We'll get to them momentarily. But Sarah, Cyril gone. Big win over Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing mixed martial arts main event you'll ever see. But Cyril gone did what he had to do to win. He's 8-0 now. Climbing up the heavyweight ranks, first main event, and gets it done. What did you think of Cyril Gan's performance tonight? I actually thought it was a really good fight. I mean, in the realm of like crazy fights and five round main events, um, I get that it's not necessarily the fight that the you know the the general people want to watch for twenty five minutes. However, I do think that he did what he needed to do. I thought he looked good. I thought he fought a really smart fight. He stayed busy. Uh, against someone who is clearly, you know, ready to knock him out at one touch. So uh, he played it safe, but I think that in doing so, that's actually pretty hard to do. Um, With the crowd, maybe that would have gone over a little worse because there would have been a lot of booing potentially. But as someone who's involved in the sport, I actually think that it was uh, a smart fight, just maybe not going to gain him the most fans. 
I would agree with everything you just said there. AK, what did uh what did you think of Sierra Gan's performance? 8-0, gets a big win, first main event. How did you think he performed? I thought he was very calm, cool, and collected heading in there tonight. Yeah, it was great, man. I, th- I think anyone who's seen Gon fight, even from like his third, I think the first time I saw him was when he won the uh, the TKO heavyweight title. And uh, that was that's, I think that's still available on Fight Pass if you want to see that fight. And like just seeing him in his third pro bout, he's like one of the most mature uh, prospects I've ever seen. Uh, beyond just obviously the athleticism and, and his other physical gifts, the way he the way he fights is like it's not what you would expect from a guy coming up. He, he gets first round finishes, but he's not like, hunting for them. He's not he's not a berserker. He's highly technical. He's uh, really educated, and you saw that tonight. And he had to be because Ro- Rosenstrike is also uh, an experienced, educated fighter. Uh, it's just that in this situation, I think Gon's game plan was better. I think he's a bit quicker, um, and I think his 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 techniques were just like were just so on point. Uh, and he knew to avoid, you know, how dangerous Rosenstrike can be. I think I think up until the fifth round, we all thought that uh, Jairzinho could still land a knockout blow, but Gon was just really really sharp and uh, made sure that didn't happen. So again, yeah, m- maybe it's not the. Uh, you know, the big explosive heavyweight uh, finish that we all like to see. Uh, but it made sense for Gon, and, and, and I'm glad he fought the way he did. So uh, big, big statement for him. Yeah, I think Gon kind of set the tone, Casey, about w- with the way this fight was going to go. Because as we discussed in the preview show, Rosenstrike is a very powerful counter striker, and Gon wasn't giving him any opportunities to counter. He was being patient. He was letting Rosenstrike sort of come to him and made him pay with those jabs. Anytime Rosenstrike was getting ready to throw a big strike, he had a big jab to the face. And you kind of predicted that this would not be a barn burner that a lot of other people expected. That is how it played out. What did you think of Gon's performance in his first main event tonight? From an entertainment standpoint, from Dana White's point of view, that fight sucked. That was a horrible fight. 25 minutes of that was not good entertainment. For Cyril Gaon, though, uh, wait, yeah, uh, uh, it was a perfect fight. I mean, outside of winning the 50, he doesn't win the 50K for a big bonus, but he just needed, like, Bisping in the first three rounds, he kept saying, all that matters is winning, 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 winning. Winning is what gets you places in this sport. And that's what Gon did. Now, toward the end of the fight, Bisping got really bored. It was all like, he's not going to gain any fans. Dude, there were no fans there. So his, he's, gaining fans was not important for this fight. Because no matter if he would have knocked out Rosenstreich in like two seconds, it don't matter. It don't matter. It was, he wasn't jumping in front of John Jones. He wasn't jumping in front of Derek Lewis as far as getting a potential title shot. So I thought Gon did exactly what he needed to do. He fought. He got. He got a W. He's moving up the rankings. Still undefeated, and he's going to fight even a higher. Uh, well, I guess well, well, Rosenstreich was ranked three, so he'll fight. I, I don't know. He's one fight away. One one fight away from a title shot right now. So, um, no great fight for Gone. Crappy fight for the fans. Sarah, how important is? I mean, like Casey said, he goes out there and knocks out Rosenstrike in twenty seconds. Yeah, it's great, and you know, it's a recency bias sport. Everyone celebrates it. They're like, oh, let's do this and this and this, but I think cage experience is super important mm-hmm. for a guy like that too. I mean, he was seven and zero heading into this fight and now he just had his first main event. And he gets a win. How important is just getting, is just logging that time at this point in his career and doing it in a big spot at the same time. I think having that 25 minutes and having gone the 25 minutes, not gassing out, I actually thought the pace was not again, like not a lightweight pace and not a flyweight pace, but I thought it was a pretty consistent pace for the full 25 minutes. There was some, you know, holding on the cage, but it wasn't, you know, minutes and minutes at a time, which I think is especially where you get bored and also where you can gas yourself out. 
Uh, I thought he still had good speed. He was still using his movement. Uh, he was using those front leg kicks a lot and just finding his rhythm, finding the ability to fight a smart game plan, stick to his game plan uh, for a full 25 minutes against someone who's clearly fought many more opponents and also a lot of the best names and the biggest names in the sport. It, it's going to help him a lot in the long run. And at the end of the day, he gets a win. And a year from now, people aren't going to remember if it was a one-punch knockout or a 25-minute fight. It's just going to go as a win. He beat the number three guy. Now he moves up. He gets one more fight, gets the title fight. And, you know, next next weekend there's fights. The weekend after that there's fights. The weekend after that there's fights. People will forget whether this was the most exciting or the most boring fight. And they'll just remember that he won. So I think for him, that was a huge step forward. Great for him. Yeah. I mean, you got to mind your P's and Q's with a guy like Jarzine Rosenstreich. You can't get sloppy in there. I mean, look what happened with the Alistair Overeem fight. 24 and a half minutes, Alistair Overeem is winning. And then it just takes one and changes the whole pace of the fight. So good win for Cyril Gaon. It's not a highlight reel win, but it's a win. And it's a main event win. So good on him. He's on to bigger and better things. We'll see what happens with Jarzine Rosenstreich. Of course, AK and I will be discussing what we think could be next for these for both of these gentlemen on, on to the next one. Uh, Magomed Ankalaev gets a decision win in the co-main event. Montana De La Rosa versus Mayra Bueno Silva went to a draw. Pedro Munoz, Jimmy Rivera was awesome. Munoz gets the win there. And then Bruce Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres gets his fourth straight win over the wild man, Kevin Kroom. It was a a good fight. It was a good fight. Crash Kevin Kroom. Uh, We're still waiting on the bonuses. Any predictions for the bonuses here? We only had one finish tonight from the newcomer Ronnie Lawrence. Stops Vince Cachero in the third round. Another uh, referee letting some things go on. Probably a little bit too long, but uh, it is what it is. Wasn't the most egregious late stoppage of all time. We've seen worse just over the last 48 hours, if you are on Twitter and watching crazy fights I know. and all those what things What was up with that ref? Out. If that ref wanted to just <laughs> extended that that really late stoppage, we can have all decisions. That ref screwed it up, man. We had, we've been, <laughs> we had a, a, a world record decision card. Has there been a UFC card of all decisions yet? There's been one, right? I think there was one and there were was. 11. It was, it was in Brazil, right? There was 11 decisions and yeah. it was like crazy odds that it would go to the, all decisions. There was also a UFC event, I think, called Knockout, and there was no knockouts on it. I think there, I think there was submissions. I think, I think there may have been a couple of submissions, but there was a UFC event called Knockout that had no knockouts on it. I don't know. I, I don't know who it was. It was from a, it was from a fighter, but during during the co-main event, you know, the UFC puts people's Twitter post up. For some reason, they never put mine up. I don't know why, but they put up someone's post, and it says for the for the co-main, it says, "Ain't no way this is going the distance." I saw that. I was like, "Ooh, this is totally going the distance." It's like the ultimate curse. You never say that. This fight, ain't no way this fight going the distance. I think we've learned these lessons by yeah. now, but still, good win for Ankaliyev. He uh, goes the full fifteen. Yeah. We'll see what happens with him, but a good win for him. Alexis Davis got a nice win. Tiago Moises looked. Awesome against Alex Hernandez, although Alex Hernandez wasn't a big fan of the decision. Uh, I completely agreed with it. I thought it was a 30-27 win for Moises. Uh, great debut for Ronnie Lawrence. Stops Vince Cachero and Dustin Jacoby against Maxim Grisham. It was a fun fight to kick things off. Very fun fight. Uh, Jacoby gets a decision. Could have gone either way, but can I'm we, not mad can about we, it. Can we? The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch 
against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Can we talk about Alexis? We have Sarah Kaufman here. Probably knows Alexis Davis better than anyone outside of Alexis Davis's like immediate family and friends. Uh, you guys have fought three times. I think your second fight was probably one of the best one of the best fights of, of that year. Uh, so, uh, what I, want, I think there are some there are some Alexis Davis questions in there. So I don't want to step over the uh, the viewers, but um, seeing that she was the under was it, yeah she was the underdog considerable underdog I think in this fight against such a younger less experienced opponent. Uh, what, what was your read of of sort of uh, this fight going to? Were you surprised when you see? I know Mazel's a very talented fighter, so all the respect to her. Were you surprised when you kind of saw that um, a lot of people were kind of counting Alexis out? No, like I know how good Alexis is, and I feel like mm-hmm. Alexis has always fought like her best fights when I fought her. Like our second fight, uh, I mean Esther took one of my favorite fight photos ever from that fight. Um, and so I definitely know how she can be, but I think at 125 specifically, I, I don't think it was a great weight class for her. I think that she was losing a lot of size. Uh, and then she was kind of always seemed to be a little bit behind on the ball, um, would get hit a lot, just didn't really seem to be able to pull the trigger in a way that I thought that she has the ability to. Um, and then tonight she just found those the, the home for those leg kicks. And definitely that changed from that second round to the third round, how that, fight was playing out and then in the first round I was like I was a little bit worried because she was getting caught on the end of those punches that Mazo was throwing on the end range she wasn't able to find her way in and I did worry that that's how the fight was going to go that she would kind of get planted and stuck on the spot and kind of get pieced apart a bit but once she got to the ground it just seemed like she she figured something out she adjusted her game plan and then she looked great for the rest of that fight there you go. Joseph Boza. I wish Sarah was back in the UFC. She would do well in the women's band and weight division. I think we're all in agreement yeah. that uh, she should be back there. We do have bonuses, friends. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> we got bonuses. We got bonuses. It's got to be double fight at night. All right. Nope. 
Oh, it's a perfect night. It was the perfect night for double fight of the night. All right, then. One fight of the night, one performance bonus. Oh, no. Who would you give double fight of the night? One performance bonus? I'm sorry? One performance bonus. I guess the one one guy that finished the fight, right? Correct. That is. And we know what the fight of the night was. Yeah, Jay oh, Sarah was asking who would you give who would you give the other fight of the night? Uh, oh, to uh, the twenty uh, fivers, the lady twenty fivers, uh, De La Rosa and um, uh, Bueno Bueno Silva. Yeah, Bueno. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a great. Sure. That was a great fight. Um, I um, fight. I scored it for Bueno Silva. Actually, I thought I had twenty nine twenty seven. I thought she won all three rounds, and the, you know at the point deduction giving her twenty nine rather than thirty. But um, yeah, I thought that, I thought she I thought she did, I thought she looked great. I thought it was a great fight in general. I agree. Yeah. She's, she's gonna, she's, she's gonna violent clinch that that Bueno Silva. Good oh. God! I, yeah, I would oh, hope those if knees. They get, oh, that was oh, scary. Poor Dilla, I, I felt like the entire third round, De La Rosa was like hiding her face because like she didn't want people to see. Like when, as soon as they broke apart, because they were on, they were on the cage for a while, she broke apart, and you're like, Wah. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. these hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I hope that they gave. That oh, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. Oh, Sorry, I was just gonna say I couldn't tell with in that fight on some of the clinches whether her hair was getting caught or not, or just that she just didn't know how to get out of the clinch because she was reacting to me. Uh, De La Rosa was reacting as if like, oh, she's holding my hair, which sometimes happens. And I mean, if you you can get away with it, you get away with it. But I couldn't really tell. And then I just think as the fight went on, it was like her escape was bringing her head down, which just got her face into those knees. One too many times, mm-hmm. I thought. Was Buena Silva was was she just not? I was as as much punishment as De La Rosa was taking. I kept thinking, it's like, is she is, is Buena Silva just not doing something quite right? Because like those knees to be seem to be landing super clean to the body and to the head. I don't understand how De La Rosa actually just survived that fifteen minutes. To be honest, she's insanely tough. Is, is, is it just That's definitely part of it? <laughs> is that all it was yeah. there? Do you think just? I think part of it is that she is very tough and I feel like in other fights she's taken some pretty hard shots and just kind of that wrestler mentality of you just walk through something to just hold on for dear life to try and force that takedown Um, and she was successful a few times I do think that a lot of the knees to the face like glanced off fortunately Mm -hmm. didn't you know she duck her head down and then rip her head up to try and get out of the way and so I think in that way she kind of managed to avoid some of the damage, but I, I thought the body shot, the knees to the body were great. Um, and they looked like they did. It didn't feel nice to me, but I think that De La Rosa is <laughs> quite tough. Those knees. Did not yeah, she nice. is. She's a monster. <laughs> she's very tough. She went 15 with Viviani and decided to like become a striker and a kickboxer in that fight, which is very surprising. Um, but she went in there and took, did 15 minutes with Viviani Arujo, who's, very, very tough. And De La Rosa yeah. very, very tough as well. So uh, if you're just joining us, fight of the night, no-brainer. Pedro Munoz versus Jimmy Rivera, such a good fight. And the lone performance of the night, newcomer Ronnie Lawrence. Guy is a savage. Twelve, I think he had like nine or ten takedowns and gets the finish. He's just the pace that that guy puts on is unbelievable. And he looked great in his Octagon debut. And the UFC saved an extra 50 chance? grand too. Well, go- I, well, Casey, I was gonna, do, you think, do, do you think there's any chance they gave the 50, the other 50 to Ronnie or maybe 25 each to uh, Pedro and Jimmy? Probably not, right? I'm Again, I'm being uh, Mr. Positivity again. No, that's not unlikely. 
Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> the filthy rich stay rich by just giving money away. That's how uh, it works. Okay. <laughs> so oh, positive. Print they got to save on some salaries. I can hope. That's I can, I that's can really, that's, like, I'm, that's just a big bummer. They didn't do double, double fight of the night. I mean, good for Ronnie Lawrence. Yeah. But, um, uh. Sarah, w- yeah. before we go to the questions, I want to ask you, what did you think, like, what, what about Gon's striking, his footwork, his stance switches, his jabs? What, what would, have, what about it made, um, made Jarzinho so hesitant just to to go in there and just, just attack? You know, just be more aggressive. Is it just a fear of getting knocked out by Gon? Like, or was there something? Did you see something kind of tricky of his footwork that just put Jarzinho I- kind of has made made him hesitant for twenty five minutes essentially? I think there were a few things. I think one of the first things was that Gone very rarely stopped moving. He kind of bounced the whole time. So he was on the balls of his feet and he was doing those little level changes, little stutter steps, kind of covering the distance, fainting, coming back out. He was never planted. And when you want to throw with power, ideally you want someone to be planted so they can't run away from you. Because when you do, you throw something as hard as you can. If they back away, there's a good chance you're off balance. And you saw that a couple times. Um, I don't remember who was like the fourth or the fifth, but uh, gone kind of timed Rosenstrike coming in. And he managed to throw, I think it was a left cross, and slipped out to his right as Rosenstrike was throwing left hook. And he just like went flying and just ended up on a perfect angle, out of range, couldn't get hit. So I think that that played a huge factor. And that was the first thing. And I also think that he stood in that southpaw stance and super like sideways and linear almost, which meant that it, I think that if Rosenstruck had thrown a lot of those like low calf and outside leg kicks, uh, that would have changed how he'd stood. But as it, as it was with gone standing with that right foot forward and like really heavy lead, he was able to use it like really effectively to kind of do those, like oblique and front kicks um, just off that front leg, which kept the distance and it made it again so that it was, you know, a lot of times just that swing and a miss. And it just felt. Oh, Sarah, you, you didn't pay your, you didn't pay your internet bill. What's going on? Sorry, we'll get her back. It's this can it's this Canada internet. You guys know, you guys know I have to deal with it all the time. <laughs> we'll get her back. But, uh, but people, please get your questions in and get you, people step it up with the questions tonight. All right, because we have a real world champion here. Okay, we have Sarah Kaufman. She'll she'll be back with us in a second. Uh, so please, please, no, none of this Duval stuff that we usually do, guys. I know it's cute. We all we shout Duval. Feel fine. No, 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 no. Tonight, guys, professional. Good question. You guys always have good questions, but I mean, just like oh, Sarah's step back. it up just a little. Okay, good. See, Sarah's. Am back. I here still? Mm-hmm. We got you. There you go. You pay, oh, your, great. you pay your internet bill? You good? It's not her fault. You know, it's Canada internet. Fair, not her fault. It's Canada internet. To be fair, I only purchased internet starting in June of last year. And I'm pretty sure I have like the cheapest internet that you can get. So sometimes <laughs> it's not great. So I do apologize for my $28 a month internet. <laughs> Sarah Coffin being cheap. Oh, so on brand. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, uh, oh, anyways, man. sir, I don't know if you heard. I was just, I was just warning. I was just warning and cautioning <laughs> our viewers to to class it up, class it up, and have some really good questions. Because you look, you you were giving, you were already before you got cut off. We're in the middle of giving the kind of analysis and insight that we cannot possibly hope to give. I mean, I, I take a lot of pride in our work, but the angle, obviously, that you're coming from is 
much more educated and uh, specific than we can offer. So people, this is the kind of insight. I already see some questions I think directed specifically towards Sarah. So, so I'm excited. I think. So Sarah, before you got yeah. cut off though, would do you think Jarzinho basically needed to be basically he needed to punish Gon's um, lead leg more? Because I, as far as I recall, I, think, I, yeah, I don't I think, think he really attacked. I don't really think he attacked that right Gon's lead leg at. Well, maybe a couple of times, but nothing, nothing of consistency. Was that would that have been the game changer if he would have maybe gone after it a little bit harder? I think so. Yeah, if he was throwing kicks and if he was aiming for takedowns to try and pick up that leg or do something with that leg, those low calf kicks, those leg kicks, anything attacking that front leg would have probably forced Gone to change and alter how he was standing and how he was moving in. But the fact that it wasn't attacked and he was able to just keep using that right foot to kind of like do little oh, taps, boom, punch yeah. in, yeah, you know, and then do the little side kicks and the oblique kicks to that front leg, just stop frozen strike from closing that distance. And he'd get stopped every time he went to come in and then didn't didn't make Gon change anything. All right. While we're talking about calf kicks, uh, this is kind of segue, Casey, I'm sure you see a lot of people asking about yeah. calf kicks in the questions, so I don't know if you're going to bring one of those up, but there's a lot of people asking, so... so um, uh, Michael Bisping, I think he was joking uh, on the and Paul yeah. They were kind of joking, yeah, about, about banning calf kicks uh, because we've just we've just been seeing it so frequently. Uh, so, kind of two questions. I mean, what do you think of that joke suggestion? And two, like, sir, how how new is this technique? Like for us, it's like obviously we talk about it a lot now. We're seeing it in a lot of fights. I think every fight, I feel like almost every fight tonight opened with someone throwing calf kicks. Is this that new, or is this something that you've dealt with before, and just people are starting only starting to notice it now? What, what's your thoughts on that? I think well, Benson Henderson was definitely one of the first people to, to really use it consistently. Um, I read somewhere that someone posted, and maybe it was Sean Shelby posted that it was actually someone Wilson Ray's maybe back in like 2010 might've used it down with ATT. But I, for, from what I remember, Benson Henderson was kind of the first guy who started using it. Everyone's like, what are you doing? That's dumb. Like kick them in the leg, make their thigh hurt punch him in the face, kick him in the face. Like, why would you do that? That's so stupid. Um, and now, now that people have gotten effective at it and are targeting it, it's not an accident, they've realized that, you know, one, two, three of those, all of a sudden that, that whole game plan changes and people can't move. And it is very hard to defend. Yeah. It's hard to counter off of it. I mean, your options are kind of like, get your leg out of the way, uh, try and turn your shin over, but if you lift your shin too high, you still get your calf hit. Uh, try and punch through it, which might work, but again, you're taking damage. And you're not usually getting taken down off of it. So when you throw a regular leg kick, a lot of times people catch those, punch you in the face. Even if you don't get hit, you lose balance, you fall down, now you're on the bottom. So I just think it's, of all the trends, of all the the stance switching and the oblique kicks and the the shoulder throws and whatever else people have, you know, over the years has been a trend that they thought the Superman punches um, that, that were a big thing. People figure them out and they kind of disappear. But I think more and more with the calf kick, it's just a really hard, uh, a hard offense to, to stop and to be effective with. It doesn't take much effort to, to be really effective. So until someone figures that out, um, I think that they're going to keep being effective. And I think, you know, they're, they're going to decide a lot of fights and, and change dynamics. And I also think that in some ways it's now going to force people to work their opposite side a little bit more. 
You know, I personally prefer to be orthodox almost all the time. I think fundamentals are so important. But now all of a sudden, if that leg's kicked out and you can't base on it and you're worried about someone kicking it one more time and the fight might be over, you might have to go switch stance. And in that switch stance, you need to be working defense and off because it's not, you spend hours doing one way and maybe once in a while stand the opposite. But I think you'll start to see people developing that second side a little bit more for purely for the reason of saving that leg if it gets hit. I was I was thinking that when I was thinking when I was seeing Gon being just very light on his feet and he and a lot of time he was just switching stances for no real, switching stances but not really attacking and I think that was just to me when I was watching that was just putting um, a little bit of hesitation in Jarzino if he was ever intending to attack the legs of Gon so uh, and, and I also felt that with Jimmy Rivera at some point I was like bro switch stance and I, I don't think he I think he did maybe in the final round but it was it wasn't really effective at that point. Were you thinking that, or were you thinking that at some point, like if you once you get a good kick, like during the um, uh, Munoz uh, Rivera fight, were you thinking while you're watching, like Rivera, you got to switch stance or do something? What were you thinking, Sarah? I mean, I think that Rivera was so confident in some ways in like, okay, I can I can put him asleep with one shot, and those like pretty much any shot that landed in that fight, everyone was like, ooh, ah, you could hear the power, you could see the power both of them were throwing with uh and at the same time he actually landed a lot of leg kicks on on Munoz as well so like Pedro's calf I'm sure is going to be sore because he didn't stick with it and I feel like Pedro got a little bit ahead and then just kept chopping at it and whether it's a matter of just Jimmy wasn't comfortable switching or if he thought that by switching he wouldn't have that push to drive off that back leg because that left leg was so compromised I'm not sure or maybe he just hasn't tried switching and just couldn't get it in his head that this is a good idea, knowing that you're against someone who's clearly so skilled that if you switch and your defense isn't there, you might just get knocked out. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly why why he wouldn't switch when it was that bad. I think it's either he was not confident or he couldn't because that leg was too far gone and that he couldn't push off of it. All right. Have we covered calf kicks, gentlemen and ladies? For now, for now, <laughs> for now, for now. All right. Uh. There's always like different leg kick trends. Remember, remember, um, it was like John Jones was throwing the like push oh. kick, those like push front kicks yeah. to the legs, and then Wonder Boy was eating them from Darren Till, and that created like kind of a problem because it like tore like Wonder Boy's knees completely up, and he was just like, oh, I hate those. I hate those things. They shouldn't. Uh-huh. They, they should be banned. And we're like. You're a karate guy. Like, that's like your bread and butter. That's like a kick you throw all the time. So, yeah. And then we don't really I see those as of, much anymore. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I am of the thought. I don't love when people just kick straight to the knees. Like, I think if you want to kick the thigh, that's fine. Like, if I want to get arm barred and I don't tap and I want my arm to snap in two, that's my choice. And that's kind of part of the fight game. But if someone just stomps on my knee and my knee just explodes, there's no option for me to tap to that. You know, it, it, yes, it's right. it's a good de- offense, but in the realm of sportsmanship, it you know is potentially career ending or it puts you out for you know nine months a year if your knee entirely explodes and blows out and you lose an ACL. So I think that any kind of technique that's like direct to a joint where you don't have the option to say. I'm out 
should be illegal if other things like knees to the head on the ground are illegal. Like I would rather have knees to the head on the ground than someone stomp my knee out and in one strike, you know, I'm potentially done. Um, that's how I feel about it. Like you're not allowed to hit someone in the back of the head. I also think you shouldn't be able to stomp on someone's direct knee joint. Yeah. So do, do you think it's kind of like a, almost in like an unwritten rule amongst fighters now to just not do that anymore? Cause we don't see it as much anymore, even though it's super effective. No, I don't. I think that people would do it if they think that it's going to be effective, if it's going to work. But I think when you go, you have to be so confident in throwing them uh, and you have to be so accurate in throwing them because if you miss people now are you're just getting punished for them. Mm. Uh, and I think that's what you saw with Holly and Amanda Nunes actually mm. Holly likes those side kicks and those oblique kicks. And the reason, one of the reasons she got knocked out was she went to do that oblique kick from her front leg. She missed, fell to the inside as she stepped out. Amanda stepped over and head kicked her in the face. If you watch that, she actually tries to throw that right side kick to the thigh. And whether it's Amanda moves or she just misses, I don't exactly remember, but I remember watching it. She's, she slips to the inside, steps out, gets kicked, and that's the end of the fight. So I just think it's riskier to throw them. I need to rewatch that. See, yeah. We wouldn't we wouldn't get that kind of insight from Jose Young's. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> we get yeah. a lot of wonderful things from Jose, okay, when he's on the show. But yes, you're right. Yes. This is a this is a Sarah Coppin special right here. But what anime yes. does does Manu Nunes like? Okay. What are the peeps said? Okay. No, we're going to talk dan- – we'll talk dancing shows before we talk anime <laughs> if Sarah's around, all right? We're not talking anime oh, if Sarah's okay. here, okay? <laughs> all right. Questions, questions, questions. Uh, all right. So that's, well, let's go to that. Do, 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 do. Let me buy more recording. So it looks like in terms of the mm-hmm. three uh, the three bonus awards, uh, the last time that happened was UFC 208, apparently. And what was that? And was who, that? who did you know who that was? I was there. So what was that? I have no idea. <laughs> I was there as well. What was that? That was not the best card ever. I would say Poirier Miller must have got fight of the night. No, what was two eight? What, what was two oh eight? What was the main? That event was the Bro- right? Holly Holm and Jermaine Duranamy. Oh, that was the Brooklyn card. Oh, I do not. Yeah, that was a horrible night for everyone. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> not like, for Jermaine. Even, even, no, even Jermaine, Jermaine won the dang title, and I thought that was even a good night for her. Like that was just. Oh man, I'm um, trying to remember if there was even you're a right, finish. You're right. Card. Por- Porium and uh, Jacare. That's it. Oh, Jacare. That's, that's it. what it was. The only finish. Yeah, the only finish. Uh, before Tim we Bush. get to the before we get to the actual fights, we have this question: When will we see Sarah fight again? Well, this is a tough question because I am pretty much always available and always looking for a fight. Uh, Although, I mean, this might be gross, but I'll show you guys anyway. (laughs) So I actually just had surgery on my foot. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. That's That's a foot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. Keep it it there. Keep it there. Let me see it again. Oh, sorry. Hold on. We currently, it's. Ugh. Oh, this is like a, a weird fetish thing. Yeah. You know, this, right. this is probably right. the most views you've ever had. <laughs> Anyways. Felice Herrick's so. mad right now. You're butting in on Felice Herrick's territory. Felice Herrick is furious right now. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I, back to fighting. Uh, I just had like a minor surgery to fix some small things that were going wrong with my toe with some bone spurs and oh. and that kind of thing so it's actually it's only been a couple of weeks but it's already uh, i did some light rolling today and some boxing so 
couple more weeks and then again I will be ready to go. I'm still at a place where I could make weight tomorrow if I needed to make weight. And uh, I try to stay in good shape. I stay in cardio shape. I stay in technical, you know, sharpness and work on all my skills. Really, I'm just out here looking for a fight, guys. I don't know. No one fight me. But it also doesn't help that COVID has kind of shut down a lot of the, the options. And I know that at this point, 135ers, the main division is in the UFC. Uh, Invicta, like I loved fighting for them, but you know, just didn't really have, have enough opponents. Like I knew that it was a bit of a struggle with experience, you know, with me having now, you know, 27 fights and some of the girls, there only having a few just commission wise. Sometimes they won't put those fights together. So, uh, I will fight anywhere for at 135. Uh, ideally I want to be the best in the world and know that I can be the best in the world. And so for me, that is currently in the UFC, but uh, as of yet, no no options have come up. Uh, I do think that if I can get a fight before then, just to have a win coming off of the, the loss at 155, that that would definitely help my cause. But I'm always going to put my name, uh, you know, if something comes up, short notice, I'll always put my name in the hat, and hopefully at some point it, uh, it gets chosen. And if not, then I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and bettering myself as a martial artist and eventually find that opportunity. You know, yes. So Bellator has, I think, teased the possibility of 135. Bellator didn't have 135, unfortunately. But, man, if they did a Grand Prix and Sarah Kaufman was not involved, that'd be ridiculous. That'd be straight-up ridiculous. So hopefully that happens. I don't know. We, we need Sarah. We need you, Sarah. We need you at the Mohegan Sun Arena in glamorous Uncasville, Connecticut, getting ready for uh, an opening in, in, in a Grand Prix tournament. I'm just saying. It, it, it has to be done. So I think I think that'd be a great spot. I know you again, UFC, of course. Like they, I don't know why why they haven't uh, called you up, but I think a Bellator Grand Prix with you in it would be just awesome. Yeah, Bellator one thirty five. I'm in. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a Seahawks fan. Seahawks fan ninety one. Does anyone else know that Alex Caceres is on a four fight winning streak? I find that hard to believe considering his up and down career. Uh, I will say I knew he was on a four-fight winning streak. I know it's kind of an under-the-radar four-fight <laughs> winning streak, but it is a four-fight winning streak nonetheless. But uh, Caceres took on a wild man in Kevin Krum. He was crash indeed, and Caceres showed that even though he fought a guy with a lot of experience, there's a difference between fight experience and octagon experience. And Caceres has a shitload of octagon experience, as he showed in that fight. So, uh, Sarah, let me ask you. Sorry, AK. Didn't mean to get all New England on you and start throwing out S-bombs, but here we are. Uh, Sarah, what did you think of Alex Caceres' performance tonight against uh, an absolute wild man in Kevin Kroom? Yeah, I enjoy watching him fight. And some of the, like that, the, those triangles, I enjoyed that he also admitted that his legs were gassing and so he almost didn't try to, to get the finish in some ways too because a lot of people would be like, oh, no, I just didn't have it. Or they, they, they'd kind of make up an excuse for why. They didn't get it as opposed to just being like, well, honestly, like, I knew that he was going to keep coming and that I needed my legs and, and they were kind of burnt out. But I just thought he fought a really smart fight. And I mean, someone who's like constantly kind of running in and pressuring, you know, he nearly got the finish towards the end there. Um, I, I like watching a fight, but I'm not going to lie. I did not know that he was on a four fight win streak. 
But I also don't know that many people are on four-fight win streaks because there are often so many fights that I can't keep up that if I don't watch them live, I just don't really watch them unless it's kind of pertaining to a friend that I have that's fighting or or someone in my division that I'm keeping an eye on. So I didn't know that, but I am happy for him and hope that he gets kind of a, a step up. Because where's he even ranked? Like, uh, the division's just pretty crazy. Like, is he ranked or is he not ranked? He's not ranked. No. I don't think he's ever he's broken ranked. the top 10. Not top 10. Top 15, which you love, Casey. Top you love talking about top, top 15. Top 15 is not a yeah. thing. It is, it is a thing. <laughs> it's not a thing. It is if you're number 12, Casey. It is if you're number 12. <laughs> yeah, if you're number Casey. 16, top 16 is all that matters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about managing, managing expectations perspective, Casey. Uh, it's funny for Caceres. This is actually his... I mean, technically, he had a five-fight win streak a few years ago. It was erased by a, a no contest. One of the fights was turned to a no contest because the uh, he was smoking the weeds, you know, as we which we don't approve of here on MMAfighting.com, for the record. Uh, don't approve that kind of behavior. But regardless, I think it's a little unfair. He technically should have been. Whoa, whoa, on a, on whoa! A are you fight. speaking for whoa, whoa? You speaking for the whole site here? I am speaking for the whole, yes, I am the uh, corporate representative of uh, Box Media, uh, SBNation.com, MMAfighting.com. We do not approve the smoking of the weeds. So. Uh, Oh, it seems like you sound sorry. It seems like your seems like your internet your internet went down. AK, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm You're back on. Okay. Now. Sorry. I, okay. Yeah, so I was trying to find. Yes, I'm miming miming it now. <laughs> um, what did I? Oh gosh, I had a see Casey. I had a point now. I had a point to make. Why don't you stop and, uh, smoking that wacky tobacco? Because you're, yeah, you're, you're so, short term memory with my brain. Gone Absolutely. Yeah. You said he had five uh, fights, but then the one fight got taken away because of the smoking. Yes. Of weeds. Yeah, yeah, the smoking <laughs> of the weeds. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, so oh, yeah. Sorry. What I, what I actually wanted to ask was uh, was about Kroom specifically because you mentioned. Uh, oh well, two things. Uh, uh, first, about Kroom was um, in your experience, like, did you find it easier or more? And, and it's not a binary question. Obviously, it probably depends who it is. But did you find it easier or more difficult if, if it was an opponent that you knew was like? unpredictable you know not someone that you that was going to follow a specific game plan um i mean would you prefer that kind of opponent or do you did you prefer those who you're like okay well i know what this person's like i know how good they are but i know but at least i know what they're coming with i mean what was your you know what would be your preference it, it's there's always more on the line when it's someone who is unconventional so it's if the expectation is that you're going to run through someone but they have this super weird style um it's definitely harder in my mind because I'm a pretty standard fighter to to kind of deal with the craziness of something that shouldn't land but does as opposed to someone who throws a good fundamental jab or a, a hook or a, a normal takedown. When someone just dives for something, uh, it, it creates these, these scrambles. And if they have the conditioning to just be an insane person and just jump on anything and throw anything from any angle – it often takes a little while to kind of figure that out. And then the goal is always slow them down or just be one step ahead of them and don't let them get to that crazy stage. Um, but I also think uh, Cindy Dandwa. So she is not the most conventional of fighters, I would say. And uh, yet she's won against so many people who are really good because she just commits to doing what she's doing. It doesn't look pretty, but she makes it happen. And people struggle in that style to try and combat that. So I definitely think that the the 
wildness and the kind of somewhat spontaneous reactions of people for me are more challenging than someone who is a fundamentally structured athlete. Hmm. There we go. All right. Casey, let me ask you, um, we'll, we'll get to Joseph's question in a second. AK and I will answer this question tomorrow, but Caceres after the fight, he says, I want a top 15 guy been here long enough. I deserve a top 15 guy. Do you agree with him? Should he get a top 15 guy after that victory tonight? I don't see why not. Um, I, I could see him getting uh, someone like a Shane Burgos, someone coming off a loss who's been out for a while. And um, I think, yeah, someone like that. Um, I, I would see, yeah, I could see him getting a top, yeah, someone that's a top 10, top 15 guy that's coming off a loss. I think that's who the UFC should probably match him up with. Yeah, I like All right. That. I also think he's going to get a top 15 guy. I have one in mind, and you'll find that out tomorrow. Oh, yeah. What a Joseph Boza is, yes, I'm good at that. I'm like Ryan Seacrest up in here. Is uh, <laughs> Magomed, is Magomed <laughs> ankle? I knew Sarah liked that one. Sarah liked that one. Without the hair. <laughs> Without the We'll have the decision right after the break. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Uh, is Ankle have somebody to look out for in the light heavyweight division? After his debut, he was probably nervous for versus Paul Craig. He's racked off six wins in a row. Uh, AK, we'll start with you. I think... I would say yes. Ankaliyev is somebody to look out for in the light heavyweight division. But do you look at him right now and say this dude can fight for a title sooner rather than later? All the way, all the way. Would I say this year? Doubtful. But I mean, I consider sooner anytime within the next two years. I would not be surprised at all. I'm 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 so impressed with those skills. Uh, Joseph mentions the Paul Craig fight. He he dominated that fight. He dominated the Paul Craig fight up until up until the end when he got caught by Paul Craig third ra- uh, last second magic, which he's not the only fighter that's happened to. So uh, certainly no shame in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, even if you take that fight into account, that to me does not diminish like what an, what an exciting prospect this guy is. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 really high on Ankalaev. I thought he would finish Krylov, but uh, Krylov uh, Krylov is really good as well. So uh, again, it's it's not like I I think less of Ankalaev because he couldn't get the job done. If anything, the fact that he found a way to sort of neutralize such a dangerous opponent uh, and kind of adjust his game plan. I'm sure he he was hoping to get an early finish, um, but he got he got you know a sort of a more measured uh, Krylov, and he matched him in that sense. Um, he really has the whole just looks to have the whole like well rounded skill set. Uh, that we look for in a UFC champion. So I'm not, I don't know if he can go all the way and win it. We don't know what the 205 divisions really actually the top is even going to look like a year from now, but uh, could he contend for a title? Yeah. I'd, I'd actually, I'll say this, I'll go as far as say, I'll be surprised if he does not uh, compete for a UFC title someday. There you go. What did you think of ankle lives performance, Sarah? I, I felt like so many of the fights tonight were very well rounded as mixed martial artists. 
you know, you saw like the wrestling transitions mixed in with the striking. You saw like really nice range and distance. And I thought that that, that that's what he brought to that fight. You know, he stayed patient. He stayed composed. Uh, he landed some, when he threw, he threw with power. Uh, and then he utilized his wrestling and his, and his kind of jujitsu when it wasn't necessarily fully expected. Um, given how the striking was going, I thought. So I, I enjoyed the fight. I thought it looked really good. And uh, yeah, I liked it. That's all. Is he a future yeah. title contender? You, do you see him facing? I don't know whoever's going to be champion. <laughs> I, in you, some did, ways, I feel like I don't. I can't even like really picture who the two hundred five division is sometimes because it. Yeah. I just feel like I don't see them fight very often. But I know that they do fight. But <laughs> I just, to me, it's not a division that stands out in my mind as these are the two hundred five fighters. Sorry. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he's very good. I don't know if we'll see him fight for a title, but um, yeah, he's obviously good. And if he he can knock people out, and if he has to slow the fight down and grind out a decision, he can do that, which is um, good for winning. Not not necessarily great for for fans that want that violence, but that's smart fighting, and that's what wins the championships. Uh, and uh, now that Jones is out of the, not counting John Jones, uh, he now has the longest win streak. Six is the long. He was tied with uh, Grover Teixeira. Now he has the longest win streak at uh, 205. So definitely, definitely one to watch. Uh, yes, I, I think he will be a tough out, Tristan. No doubt about that. It's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. He's only going to get better. So is he in Vegas? Like, I think he's in Vegas. I think he's in Vegas right he now too. I think I think, I think ex- this is the concern for him now. Though, ex- is I wonder. I wonder if people aren't going to want to fight him. I think he's a bad stylist and matchup for a lot of the guys that are in the top 10. Uh, he doesn't quite have the name value that probably some of these guys are looking for. And, uh, and, I, and I think he's, he's really dangerous. So this is the only thing that's really going to slow him down is I think some people are, are not going to be jumping at the chance to fight him. Oh, absolutely not. Why would, why yeah. would, you, why would, you, why would you want to fight him? Yeah. Like, like, no, I, 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 today, I was, I'm, just, I'm still working on how to pronounce his name correctly. That's what I mean, like, because like he's he's up and he's. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to start saying this guy's name a lot. Like he's, you know, we have lots of fighters in the UFC. I'm like, okay, you know, if I end up fight night in prelims, you know, whatever. But like, oh, he's gonna be he's gonna be a main card dude pretty soon, and um, yeah, and the guy's like uh the that next wave that the new generation of two of fivers. He's part of it, so uh, mm-hmm. get used to it. Yeah, but yeah, I don't see I don't see guys lining up to fight him though. <laughs> I actually think he's in a great spot right now because the whole top six, every one of those guys, they're booked. So mm-hmm. one of two things can happen. He either gets the loser of like any three of those fights, which how are you going to say no coming off a loss? Or he didn't take a lot of damage tonight at all. So let's just say somebody falls out. You can slide him right back in, especially if he's training out in Vegas and he's going to stick around for a little while. So I actually think he's in a, a pretty decent spot right now, as opposed to like getting into the number eight spot, which you probably will become Tuesday. And then like all the top seven, none of them have fight books. And they're like, nah, I don't want to fight this guy. Now you can just slide him in and he's actually in a really good place right now. So I think the time is really good for him to make a move at this point in time. But we'll see. We'll see. That's smart. That's a smart analysis. <laughs> Mike, you're a smart guy. Me? Mike, I say, Sarah, thank you. Sarah, thank you. I say this to him all the time. I say, this, Mike, you're a smart guy. I'm glad he gets to hear it from a from a, wait, wait, from a know, pro, from someone from someone whose opinion matters to him. Because I know sometimes you know people like Casey and I can say it doesn't mean anything. 
but he hears it from a pro. Now it, it you know, I, take please, Mike, take that, please. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, I'm, 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 I'm writing that down. The pull clip, yes, of Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please <laughs> put that up. Put that out there on social media. Yes, my wife will be so proud. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna frame this clip somehow on the wall. <laughs> it's gonna loop it with with the foot. With the foot. Yeah, there it is again. There you know, it is again. when that foot showed up, and all we got all these thumbs up, all the view counts went up. It's crazy. The foot shows up, spiked, spiked. spiked. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> what else we got? Yeah, Thank you, Tristan. Goes, You're the goes. <laughs> Tristan always Tristan Gordad always coming through with something. Thank Appreciate you. that. You know he's gonna be on, on to the next one too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, okay, Pedro Munoz calls out TJ Dillashaw as every bantamweight has. Who wins the Dillashaw fight out of all the callouts? I feel like this is a very popular question coming out of these events because there's always high level bantamweight fights on all of these cards. Uh, so Casey, now we have we have another entry into the Dillashaw sweepstakes. One Pedro Munoz. Uh, the likelihood of him getting that fight, and who do you think's the favorite right now to get a fight of that level? I don't think it's Pedro Munoz, unfortunately. It's smart for him to do that call out. Um, if Dillashaw is not fighting for the title next, which uh, if he's not fighting the winner of Jan Aljo, um, which I don't think he, I don't think he deserves, I don't think he deserves because of the uh, EPO um, suspension. Um, the only the fights that make sense would be to me if you're gonna put him at the top of the line, someone like Sanhagen. Um, to get San Sanhagen still needs that for some reason. I don't think the fans are still behind him hundred percent as far as like, you know, a championship, you know, main event pay per view type guy yet. And he needs to be a guy like Dillashaw. That's what Munoz realizes too. He needs to be. It's, everyone needs to beat Dillashaw for some reason to become the next you no know, Dillashaw type star in in terms in bantamweight division. So. uh I don't think it's going to be Munoz, unfortunately. But, man, Munoz is awesome. I think he's a very underrated, um, very, very underrated uh, 135-er. I dug the call out a lot. Sarah, what, what what would you do if you had the mighty pencil besides sign yourself to the UFC, which is well-deserved? What would you do with TJ Dillashaw? Who should he fight in his in his comeback? I mean, he could fight me. <laughs> and then I could just fight in whatever division, you know, is available. But you weigh the same. Yeah, one thirty five. No, I know, but I'm saying like, you know, we could just make a, a genderless division, and then anyone mm. who doesn't fit into having someone agree to fight them in another division, they could just come to our division. <laughs> see, see, the whole time I know that's dumb. No, it's not dumb because we're the, we're all talking about new weight classes. Oh, we need one sixty five. We need one one ninety five. Turns out we need a genderless division. That was, that was the mm-hmm. issue. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. I'm gonna tell oh, Jose to bring up like, Dana next time when he talks to him. Yeah, or, or <laughs> like an outskirts division. Like <laughs> I'm the the pale Canadian female Ooh. that no one wants to fight at 135, and he's no. you know a former champion who did some steroids because or EPOs, mm-hmm. and then wanted to come yeah. back. You know, we could just we could, we could be the outliers. You yeah, know, or, or this is like Survivor. Up. You guys, you guys are like on Exile Island. This is like your chance to to get back to get back onto the onto the island proper, as it were. You just have to have to fight for it. But That's right. I would yeah. love that. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I agree. I agree that I don't think that he should get an immediate title shot. I think that he lost that right um, when he made whatever decisions he made, and it's also been a lot of time and a lot has happened in the division. And that division is amazing and has so many talented people right now that he should have to fight before it. 
The one fight I don't want to see, I do not want to see uh, Jose Aldo. Yeah, Jeremiah, I agree with you. I do not want to see <laughs> Jose Aldo fighting TJ Dillashaw because I'm just such oh. an Aldo fan. And while oh. Aldo's amazing, I just don't, I don't want to see it. I, I don't think that it's a great fight for him with all the extra movement that TJ does. Um, I don't want to see that fight, mostly because I'm a fan of Aldo and I don't think that he'd win. But um, I, I do think, yeah, I think Sandhagen would be a great fight. Sandhagen's, you know, clearly on the app. I agree with Casey. Uh, give him that fight. If he gets the win, then he can challenge for the title. If he doesn't, Corey's in a great place. You know, he's being the 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 former title holder who didn't actually lose his belt. He just had to give up his belt. Uh, and then he should get to fight for the title next. I'm a broken I record think, here. Yeah, you know, go you ahead. know what I'm going to say. You know, I know what I'm going to say. I, I, no, the I fight to make. Fight. Yeah. There's, one, there's only one fight Faber. to make. It's Dillashaw versus Faber. That is the fight. Right. That is the fight. There's heat there. If you're going to do it, you have to do it now. Yes. And it's like, it doesn't matter. I, like the divisions, like let the log jam play out. Let Dillashaw fight Faber. Let the heat go. You can headline any card with that fight. Dillashaw probably wins. And then do then do whatever you want to do with him. Just give him one more fight to get his feet wet. Do it with Faber. Get the ratings. Get the heat. Story's there. It's right there. It's right there for you. Mike, I love Question. it. But oh, oh, go ahead, sir. Yeah. Did Faber not retire? Did I miss something? Not or exactly. did he retire and come no. back? Yeah, he came back. Yeah. And he's kind okay, of said, okay. he, and after he came back, he's kind of said, I'm still definitely, like, I'm not fighting regularly, but I'm more than happy to take, you know, on a case by case basis, if certain okay. fights get sent my way, I will definitely, you know, definitely consider it. And that's one he would gotcha. obviously sign up for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, the question was asking which call out would be rewarded. And I think there's one call out that's still to be done. I wonder. If uh, if Dominic Cruz would call out TJ, uh, should he get past Kenny? And that's that's one that Dillashaw would definitely be interested in. That's a win I think he would want to get back. So if we're talking, if we're just talking callouts, and I know this is a hypothetical one, I wonder if Cruz would call him out and then and, and set up that rematch, and then uh, and Dillashaw would definitely say yes. But um, Casey, there's a question which I think you're going to love. I don't know if you saw it from Terrence Leverett about open scoring. Oh, is it? Is- oh, God. Did you see this? Well, no, no, that's good. But I, I we we we've talked about it ad nauseum. <laughs> oh, we, we might have even talked. We might have even talked about it the last time we had Sarah on, like the A side or something. It, it it probably has already come up with Sarah. But it, it, there's nothing wrong with revisiting it. <laughs> very meta. Very nice, Kate. Very meta. Uh, Terrence Leverett's asking uh, in regards to the Alex Hernandez uh, result because Alex Hernandez yeah. was very surprised that he lost the Moises. I think we all were scoring at home for us watching. We all thought Moises. Well, it was a close. It was a good fight, but we. I think we most of us thought Moises won. He was very surprised, uh, and I know Casey. You had tweet. I think you had tweeted about mm-hmm. uh, how different it would have been if Anderson team had had uh, open scoring information. So this question. So uh, Terrence Lever specifically asking, what does Sarah think of open scoring? I like. I think that if you're going to give, you know, most sports, you know what the score is at all times. Now I get for the fans that you want to be able to have that excitement of like, and the winner is, and there's kind of like that little moment where you're not quite sure because it could be either way, but as a fighter and as an athlete and as a coach, you want to be able to give the most accurate information to the fighter or as a fighter, I want to know the most accurate information. So if it's an option to know what this judge thought, yes, you might get some people coast in a third round. If you know that they've won the first two, and they might kind of anti-fight. 
but maybe you implement in that case uh, potentially, you know, almost like a yellow card or, you know, the timidity factor. If someone is clearly not engaging, you know, you can get a warning and then, you know, maybe that can be addressed if it needed to be addressed. But I just think that you should, you should be able to know what these judges are scoring it so that you can accurately change a game plan if you need to. Because if you think that you've won two rounds pretty easily, that you're very confident, and then you take it a little bit easier in that third round, now you lose the fight, you know, you're going to be pretty mad that, that, that you have no idea. Um, I guess the other alternative is you could just fight for the full 15 minutes or 25 minutes and not try and play the game. But, it, you know, when wins matter you know, you're going to play the game as much as you need to to get those wins. There were two times tonight that where I think open scoring would have, I don't know if it would change the outcome of the fight, but I think it would have changed the, um, the at least the strategy for the losing fighter. Kevin Kroom, before he came out for the third round, John Annex, because we, I couldn't, because we don't get the, um, at least my feed, I don't get the, uh, the in-between rounds, so went to commercial. But they were saying James Krause was telling Kevin Kroom, James Krause's coach, and James Krause is a very good mixed martial arts coach. He told Kevin Kroom, it's 1-1. But every scorecard had um, Caceres winning 30-27, so clearly it wasn't 1-1. I just think that sucks. That James Krause is a great MMA coach. Actually told, if he, went, if he went and told Crash Kroom, dude, you got to go crazy and just finish this guy. Otherwise, you're going to lose. It's just the fact of the matter. You're going to lose. And I, I don't know. It's like I just think it's incredibly dumb. I just don't get it. And, yeah, so we don't get the hand raise. But we do, there's knockouts all the time, and we still watch the hand raise. It's like so when a guy gets knocked out, we don't just go, all right, turn it off. We still, we still want to watch the hand raise anyway, we know, even though we know who won. Ugh. Well, you still do get a hand raise because you don't actually find out how they scored the third, the last round until the end. So if it's... I mean, if it was like, you know, the, the score of the first two and then that same person or the other, you know, if there's a clear decision on that third round, if it's 1-1, you still get the hand raise, but you know that you're going to get, you know, a surprise on the hand raise. I don't remember the actual scores of your fight, but when you fought uh, Jessica Evil Eye. Yeah. You wind up losing the. Wait, what was it? What was it? What was in? I know the fight guy eventually got no contest, but what was that? What was the scores of the rounds? I remember it was. Yeah, so I ended up losing a split decision, and it was like 29, 28, 28, 29, 28, 29, or whatever. But the third round was the most decisive round of the whole fight, where it was where I like rocked her, I outthrew, I outlanded, I controlled. Like there was no way you could score the third round for anyone but me. And the first two rounds were like closer. Like, I was like, oh, I was pretty confident that I had won. But I was like, oh, well, I guess I lost on those. Like, someone scored that second round maybe for her. Mm-hmm. And then when the, when you told me, actually, I think you either you or Ariel told me, mm-hmm. oh, actually, look at the scorecards. And someone had scored the second round, which was a close round for me, but then gave her the third round. And that's mm-hmm. that third round is what actually caused me to lose the fight. But it was the only round that was extremely decisive. Like, yes, I could have done way more in the first two, but the third round was like, okay, well, that's that's a gimme. That's the easiest. Like, any dummy who's never watched would be like, that girl won. So, like, unless they confused us as both being brown hair, you know, Caucasian, 
somewhat same height <laughs> females in fight shorts and black gloves. And we're like, uh, eeny, meeny, mimo, I forget who you are. I pick you. You know, unless that's the case, there's just Texas has terrible judging. I apologize for bringing up that bad memory. <laughs> no, I mean, it's for your people, right? Texas? Yeah, yeah. I blame you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Texas is the reason. Uh, you could have told, here's the thing with Krause and Kroom, though. You could have told Kevin Kroom he was up 20 to 16, and he still would have come out trying to take Caceres' face off. Like, that's just how he is. He came in marching out there like he was a madman anyways. What You could have told him anything. Yeah. Like, literally anything, he was going to fight the same way. So where's like, this? It doesn't where's, matter. Where's this argument? And then these guys are going to coast. You know, I don't. I just don't get it. I don't. But well, not all fighters some, are some like that. But yeah, m- some people would though. If you know someone's super dangerous, and you're like, "Ooh, okay, I have these." I, maybe not coast, but take it like a little bit careful. Like surreal gone. Like okay, you know what? I'm just going to pick. Are we calling yeah. surreal gone a coaster? Which, because he knew everyone knew he was up. So I mean, we don't. Does that mean he coasts? But, is, that so, just, oh, is coasting just another another euphemism for fighting smart? Because we credit yeah, fighting smart, smart but and it, fighting maybe maybe fighting conservatively. So knowing that, like, okay, well, I don't need to throw everything in the kitchen sink at this guy and put myself potentially a bad situation. Whereas if you know you're down four out of five rounds, you you better swing. Otherwise, you may as well just take a knee and kind of say, "Well, I'm out." If you're not going to actually try and win. So I, I think that coasting is is in some ways like playing it smart. Like I don't think that Cyril gone coasted. I just think that he fought well and he fought consistently for five rounds because he was worried about getting knocked out until the last five seconds of the fight. Whereas I think other fighters, you know, if you don't if you're not worried about them having that power, you might just play like more of that keep away uh, kind of point fighting style where they can't really touch you and you're winning or maybe you don't win the round, but you don't take any damage either. To me, that's more of a coasting round than what Cyril did. So positive. <laughs> see, because she's thought about it, all right? Let's see, I, 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 see I, I'm not going to go into it, but I, I am leaning, I lean away from open scoring, but again, that's, I don't know, that's my... I, I'm, I'm afraid of the coasting thing. I'm afraid of the coasting issue, and but uh, but I'm, I'm starting. To, I'm, Casey, I'm starting to understand. I saw there was an article that came out. Was it was it this recent yeah, uh, this can't, week or last the week? The Kansas. There was um, yeah yeah from the Kansas City uh, or the Kansas yeah or Missouri Commission. Okay. Missouri Commission rather. Yeah. Missouri Commission. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, no, it would have been Kansas because it would have been Invicta, right? It would have been Kansas City. It would have actually been Kansas, I think. Not, no, no, not, they they, Kansas do, they do their fights in Missouri. The Kansas City, but Kansas City, Missouri. But sometimes they fight in no, Kansas City. No, I don't know. No, it's Kansas City, Kansas. Anyway, one of the <laughs> I believe it's Kansas City, Kansas that's been doing. Uh, so I believe it's Kansas, the Kansas Commission that's been doing, and there, it did. Apparently, there were some promising results as far as as far as uh, late finishes and fights that had uh, where people score something like that. It's out. It's out there. The reports out there. But I'm so I understand. I understand. I was about to ask for Sarah's foot again after you guys trying to figure no, out the Missouri Kansas Commission thing because we needed to get these viewership Please. numbers back up. Stop, stop. Who's, show the foot, show the foot, show the foot. Who's <laughs> there it is. <laughs> this makes great sense in the audio podcast. <laughs> who's taller? Who's taller? Sarah McGann, Sarah Coffin, excuse me, or TJ Dillashaw? Well, how tall is TJ? I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. <laughs> Some of these, like, listen. I don't know. Gino, Gino, to... Gino needs to know this. I don't know. I don't need to know, but Gino needs to know. So, well, no, we're ma- we've, we've been matching I mean, them I'm, up, I'm, so it's good to know. Yeah. He's five I, six. Very rarely. 
Uh, well, okay, I'm going to say that I'm taller because he's probably not 5'6 if he's saying he's 5'6. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My record technically says I'm 5'5. Five, five. I'm like slightly under, but I don't know that he's 5'6. Maybe he's 5'5. Five, yeah. Five. yeah. Yeah. By the way, Jarzy and your Rosenstrike is not 6'4. Can we stop this? He's not 6'4. <laughs> if Cyril Gunn no is 6'4, Jarzy and your Rosenstrike is not 6'4. No Jarzy and your look, look about as in tall as, as DC. Maybe a little bit taller than DC, maybe. In one of my fight cards, for whatever reason, I don't remember which one it was, but it said that I was 5'9. And I'm like, who put this as a joke? Like, I've never written down that I'm 5'9 for sure. But. <laughs> I was 5'9 for one fight, and I felt pretty good oh. about it. Your opponent must have freaked out. <laughs> it's fun. Sports are hilarious, man. I remember, like, when I played college baseball, like, I was probably, like, 5'11, and my freshman year, I was probably, like, a buck 70, maybe a buck 75, and they had me listed at 6'1, 205, and I was nowhere near either of those numbers, but they just Whoa. put it there because they want to inflate them. I'm like, you, I'm 35 pounds heavier? You're crazy. You people are out of your minds. We're a Division three college, for God's sake. <laughs> I'm not here. I ain't intimidating anybody. All right. So uh, we've been blabbing for an hour. So okay. Yeah, six eleven. Six eleven. <laughs> yeah. Give or take. Give or take. Give or take. Yeah, yeah. I say. Yeah. No, I could see it. I mean, with a new yeah. with a new foot surgery, you got to be way taller now. I'm sure they oh, just added extra foot yeah. to your foot. Yeah, more yeah, feet. Yeah, they, they took the they took the bone piece out and they just added it to the bottom of my heel, so it just wow. raised me up to six foot eleven. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, just to get confirmation, um, this is true. Why are you putting this? I saw that. Well, Why are you I, putting I, this well, comment? I, I have never seen a woman before, right. so well. Listen, this is addressing me, Michael. Let me read this out. Thanks, uh, <laughs> the the Donquistador. <laughs> NFFC. Have you guys never seen it before? This is so cringe and awkward. Listen, I'm cringe and awkward for many reasons, but it's not because we have a great guest like Sarah Kaufman on. All right, trust me. Hold on. You guys watch any of our watch any of our videos? I'm cringe and awkward like this all the time. All right, so so uh, Sarah, don't feel responsible that uh, that we have a special guest that's not Jose. Uh, no, I'm like this all the time. This is this is this I'm, is cool. I'm pretty, sure it, I'm pretty sure my foot is the what's made it cringe and awkward, but you know. <laughs> yeah, pay attention. I don't think it's me being I'm not. No, I'm not blaming the foot. The foot is again, like I said, the, we've got a lot of people watching right now, and I, 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 I would not be, I would not have to say, say like ninety percent because of the foot. Uh, um, I've yeah. seen a woman before. Casey, you've seen a woman before. <laughs> that came off really creepy, Mike. <laughs> what? I, I, I get the wedding ring on. I, I've seen a woman. Casey's got Esther in the house. We all know it. She's the oh. iconic voice. <laughs> How dare you, Sarah? Casey, give me, Casey, can we get give, this is another question? Up. Bullshit. We got you. Give me a nice comment, and now <laughs> did you just yank it away? Call me a creep. We got to go another ten I, minutes. Maybe I have to redeem myself. I'm, apparently. I'm so oh yeah. What a bunch of BS. Unreal. Uh, well, the, I see there's the Donquistador seemed to like our response. So thank you, thank you for the question, Donquistador. We're all we're all having a good time. We're all friends. Yeah. Here. Thank you. It's the uh, nice donk keys to the door. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> what um, else? Do we, do we get, yeah. we got any, any more? Uh, you know, we're just getting some, you know, matchup questions, you know. Um, oh, that's all for, yeah. No, yeah that's all for. Yeah, on to the next one. That's yeah. on to the next one. We're not going to do any matchup questions. Oh, I'm going to talk about this. Not, yeah. yeah, who do we see next for Rosenstruck? 
I kind of like it. I, I I saw some people mentioning that on social media right away. Well, I said they said blades for gone or runes. I kind of I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe about. let That's blades. Maybe let blades recover his brain first, though. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Sarah, would you be in favor of? So it's funny, you know, when the medical suspensions come out. Uh, Usually the longer suspensions are more for, you know, uh, bone related injuries, fractures, things like that. Right. Knockouts typically get maybe, I think, uh, I know Blades only got, I think, a mandatory suspension, I think April. So two months. Is there, I mean, I don't even know. Is there a way like that they can, that they can, you know, address this more like, not seriously, I'm sure they take it seriously, but more uh, in a more concrete way. And don't you think, do you think they just start issuing, you know, uh, provisional six month suspensions for people who suffer these massive knockouts. I mean, I don't know. I, it, it does, is that, does that even make sense? It does make sense. And I could be wrong here, but in some cases, I think that it's like the 60 day suspension, but they also have to have a cleared, um, like, mm-hmm. b- like before your next fight, the commission requires almost every commission requires that if you just got knocked out, you have a cleared head scan. Okay. So while uh, maybe not every commission does that, but most you, before you fill out all your athletic commission paperwork and it says, what was the result of your last bout? And like, if it was a knockout, a lot of times they require that you have been cleared from a doctor or that you've obtained a new MRI since your last knockout. So I think that in that case, I would hope that it's making sure that the fighters are as healthy as possible. Um, But to me, if you've been knocked out 30 days ago or 60 days ago, that's supposed to be like before you have contact, not necessarily before you have another agreement, another fight, because presumably mm-hmm. you're going to spar in your fight. So I always, I've, I'm fortunate that I have not been knocked out and I hope to not be knocked out. But if that were the case, I also hope that either myself or my team around me would make sure that I definitely take the appropriate time to make sure that. I heal properly, but then also have a proper camp that's controlled enough. And that if there are any setbacks, which there often are with concussion and head trauma that, you know, I, that I would take the time to not just want to fight and do it and get the loss off my, off my brain, but take the time to heal properly. And sometimes that takes, you know, six months. Sometimes that takes a year for some people with really bad concussions. Mm hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it has to do with like the team that surrounds you too. Cause Casey, I mean, we were on, you were there for the interview with Mm -hmm. Tyson Tyson. Chartier, Calvin Cater's coach. And he was basically like, Calvin wanted to go for a run the next day after the Max Holloway fight. And we're like, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't doing any of that stuff. And now they're going to like, they did a CT, they did a CAT scan when they got back to Vegas and they said like everything was was, was pretty normal. It was like better than most of his other fights that he's had. And they're going to go back in March, get it checked again. And then they're going to go back again in June and get it checked again. And if everything's like perfect after June, then we'll start thinking about the next move. So they're basically making Calvin take like six months off from anything that has to do with like contact or any of that stuff until they have three complete scans. So it kind of depends on like the people you're surrounded by too. So maybe like Curtis Blaze's coaches are like, Dude, that was a pretty ruthless knockout. Like, I know you want to get back in there. You got one fight left in your contract. You want to, like, take that next step and see where you're at. But maybe the guys over at Elevation, Sean Madden, who's a fantastic coach over there, maybe he's like, Curtis, like, let's just slow it down and see where we're at in a few months and and go from there. So I guess it all depends. It depends on the fighter. depends on the people around you. And 
you know, look at Frankie Edgar. He got knocked up by Brian Ortega ruthlessly, and then he fought Cub Swanson, what, like less than two months later? Crazy. I mean, that, <laughs> and he won. So, I mean, people are different. It's tough. Yeah. And people, Sarah, you probably know this, like, and people, uh, I think we get, I think as fans, even media, we get kind of caught up in the big knockouts, but we forget even the fights that guys win in, they take a lot of time just as much head trauma as the guy that loses you know, or, or female that loses. So it's um, all fights are there's, there's head trauma in every fight. And um, just look at Munoz. Look at Munoz today. He, 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 he won the, the fight. Post, like, yeah, he, oh. he won the fight. And, he, and, and he, when, he, when he did the interview after I was and he's a, he's such a sharp guy. He's so he was so lucid. But like I was just thinking like, man, I, I want to hear from Munoz. I'm sure he wants to have his camera time. But like I would prefer if this guy's got went went right back to the medics right away because I was like. I always liken those kind of three round fights, and Sarah, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm exaggerating. It's like it looks like it's like being in a car crash, and it'd be crazy to me for them to to interview someone one after a car crash and then tell them, by the way, uh, in three months would you be ready to get into another car crash? <laughs> that's kind of like honestly, that's kind of how I see these. And again, I, I know Sarah, like you said, you've been lucky enough to avoid any like really crazy knockouts, but just from the outside looking in, uh, you know, that's kind of how these things look to me. And like it's just it's just so it's so scary to me. But yeah, it's funny case that you mentioned that you mentioned like. Uh, like how people look after their, their fights. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think in some ways that when you see those like one punch knockouts, maybe that shot was really bad and they have a bad concussion from it, but maybe it was only one shot and then the fight's over and they actually didn't have multiple, you know, where your brain's bouncing repeatedly and you kind of get a mini concussion, but then you keep going, you get another one, you keep going, you keep getting it hit. And those ones, I think, when you have those like, crazy tough fights where potentially someone takes some of those really like thudding hard shots, they've taken more damage than the guy who just got hit with one punch, got knocked out, and is actually probably somewhat okay in the realm of how much trauma he's taken because it was only the one. And, and so, yeah, like the that that Calvin fight was that was nuts. And as a fighter, I get that he wanted to stay in there, but as a fan, I'm like, oh, we we could we could end this fight and potentially this could carry on and be like, maybe that was the pinnacle because you took so much damage in that fight. Maybe you're never the same. So it's good to hear that the camp is reflecting on that and trying to be really smart about coming back and not, not letting him come back really early. But yeah, those, uh, I mean, we sign up to be in car crashes. That's kind of what we do. That's why we, that's why we're fighting. We know the risks. We know that it's a potential. I mean, you also sometimes get bonus money for those fights. So whether, you know, you probably don't want to be known for having the fight of the night. While it's exciting, it's not great on the body, but it's also pretty fun to be in those fights. And so it's hard to to, to kind of shy away from those when that's your style. Uh, and, you know, you kind of want to get back in there right away. You sicko. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, before we get out, um, we don't need to talk about this, but since Sarah won't probably be, be with us next week, can we get some predictions for the championship fights from Sarah Kaufman next weekend? Oh, so there's the three, right? Or is there more than three? There's just the three. Add them all. But it was three all next week, yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, main well, event. I mean, the. So are you going to go main event first? Go for it. Ladies' choice. <laughs> okay. So main event is the 205s, right? It's Adesanya and. Blackowicz, Blakowicz. How do I say his name? Mm-hmm. 
Blahovich. Blashovich. Blahovich. No, don't help her. Don't Jan. help her. Jan versus Izzy. <laughs> no, there are two Yans on this card. There's... You can't. You can't say Yan. Oh, you're right. That's I know. Yeah, so you, yeah. No. Use that. You could say John, though. You could say John. <laughs> John. <laughs> John. Yeah, yeah, the main you. event, Izzy and John. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a fun fight. I'd love to see Adesanya do well just because he's coming up, and I'd like to see you know people challenge themselves and come up and do something that's that that's kind of pretty extraordinary. But uh, I, I like that that Jan's kind of style is, I would say, consistent and you know fundamentally pretty strong. And so I, I could see him trying to for sure wrestle Adesanya and and kind of use his size. I think that would be the smart thing to do. Um, so I, I'd like to see. Uh, Jan keep his title. Um, I think Amanda Nunes, I think pretty easily takes the title. I don't think that it's too much of a fight with Megan Anderson. Um, Megan of course has great range, uh, and has a lot of skill in that striking department. She's tall, she's long, uh, she is strong, but I think that Amanda Nunes will probably use the calf kicks early, stay on the outside, close the distance quickly, go for those takedowns. I think she'll probably finish her within one or two rounds, um, on the ground. And then uh, the 135 fight, I think, is is probably like the most competitive, uh, where I don't really know who to choose. Uh, I like that Sterling's finally getting the opportunity to step up and get that title shot because I feel like it's been a long time coming. Uh, but Peter Jan is uh, he, he he's a tough fighter, and I, I think that he's well rounded enough that he'll probably keep the title. There you go, three and still, yeah. Three and stills, yeah. Oh, yeah. And stills, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's go. not. <laughs> Unless <Yeah>. it's not. <laughs> oh, there we go. Hedging. Well, Hedging. That's a good hedge. <laughs> well, uh, uh, well, uh, Mike, Mike before, you, before you sign us off, I will. I want to. I want to. Uh, uh, Oh, we can keep, oh, the music's still going. Uh, we will have a special edition of The Great Divide tomorrow on MMAfighting.com uh, by Jed and I, breaking down, talking about all 10 fighters competing in the upcoming title fights and making a case for all of them. So, yes, uh, I got I got Megan. I drew Megan Anderson, and I will have a case for why Megan can somehow beat Amanda Nunez. Uh, but uh, So, please, we'll look out for that tomorrow. But uh, thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah, for being here. <laughs> thanks, guys. Yes, Sarah. Sorry about my internet. Oh, you're great internet. Great internet. Any 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 last words, Sarah? Any anything you want to tell the peeps before we we wrap this thing up? Uh, well, if I can't get a fight, I think my next career is going to be on uh, the Masked Dancer. So yes. my costume will probably be some kind of full Snow White attire. Um, that's who I'll be. That's who I'll be. <laughs> There you go. Well, that was great. I love it. I love it. it. (laughs) You and you and Ken Jong. I believe. Touchdown! Yeah, Grand Slam. I'll make make sure you can see my feet, though. All right, I'll make sure you can see my feet. Oh God! There we go. Ratings. Ratings. (laughs) She knows. She knows what sells, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) So officially here on the East Coast, it is official UFC 259 fight week. So get excited for that. We'll have lots of coverage. Jose will be there. Um, so we'll have media days. I think between the links is actually going to be Wednesday this week instead of Thursday, because there's a press conference on Thursday, as you saw on the broadcast. And then we'll have weigh in show and pre fight show and post fight show and preview shows and all sorts of craziness. Uh, so we will have you covered throughout the week. 
and then AK and I are back tomorrow, putting a bow on UFC Vegas 20 with on to the next one, the podcast. So look for that. Make sure you subscribe on the podcast network and get it before anybody else does. With that being said, for AK, Casey Lydon, for our great special guest, Sarah Kaufman, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Happy birthday. Can't Stop it. it. <laughs> Sarah, is, is AK's birthday? It is not my birthday. Today? Yeah. No, it is not. It's not. It's Aww. never my birthday. Stop it. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were the Prince of Positive. Yeah. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.